Welcome to this edition of Don't Listen to Us. My name is Sean King. I'm Melissa King. Sitting next to my frozen, my poor frozen, <laughs> frozen wife. Yes. We went out this morning um, on a motorcycle ride and it didn't get warm. <laughs> and therefore my wife didn't get warm. No. The, the heated gear I had, we had a wonderful time, except it of turned course. out really shitty. The I've got this uh, Gerbing heated gear for me that we... I put on Melissa along with the heated gloves. We get in the bike, we go 100 yards, and the heated gear stops heating. <laughs> and it just will not work for some odd, bizarre reason. So poor Melissa, who is very susceptible to cold. She doesn't like cold at all. I don't like it either, but you have issues <sighs> with cold that will affect you much more deeply than it does me. Um, we go riding, and you're freezing your little red-headed took us off. <laughs> yeah. And you're just, it's, it's nice, but we were told by the weather forecast that it was going to be sunny. No, no, not true. And not only was it not sunny, it was not just cloudy, it was foggy, would you say? Rainy? I think, it, it, I feel like it was like a fog today. It was very, it was certainly misty. In other words, the, the motorcycle are, 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 Windshield, we, sorry, our, our windscreens on the uh, the motorcycle helmets uh, got a lot of moisture. Oh it was yes, just, it was if it's, if it was a light rain. Uh huh, it was, which made the roads a little slick. I noticed that on the, on the bike we had, and, and we hadn't been on the bike. I hadn't been on the bike since last September, so your skills were a little a little rusty. You know, there's a couple times, I know, and the bike's tires are getting towards the end of their their life, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the bike. Um, is also old and not old, but cold. So it didn't make it for a very comfortable. Well, I was old and cold. Old and cold. <laughs> and, and but but by the time we got to the little bit of twisties that we have around here, it was nice. I wasn't being aggressive at all. I don't. I hope you don't think I was being aggressive. No, sweetheart, it was fine. It was it was fine. And we stop off a little place called Madeira Park, a little literal village. Yes. Of of Madeira Park, and uh, we stopped. I had a coffee, and we. Melissa got warmed up. We get out the, we get back on the bike. We figure out a way to get the heated gear to heat. And Melissa's like, oh, heat. She loves the heat. Yes, heat. heat. <laughs> I was like, yes, it feels so good. We get on the bike. We um, drive off. And as we get 20 feet away, and the heat has stopped. So I pull the bike over to the side of the road so we can't figure out how to get this damn heated gear. It feels like it's a electrical glitch that if you just wiggle it enough. It will come back on, which is really annoying. It's a it's it's a bad thing. So eventually, we decide, okay, we're just going to turn around and go home. We're not going to keep going on to a place called Earl's Cove. Uh, Melissa's freezing, and I don't want to get. Uh, I don't want one of the things about being on a motorcycle, whether you're a passenger or a uh, the the pilot, the driver, is when you get cold, that's all you can think about oh, is it's being awful. cold. All consuming. And that's different than when you're than when you're skiing or snowboarding or that kind of stuff. Because if all you're thinking about on a motorcycle is how cold you are, that's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because you get distracted by the cold. You're not focused on the actual riding. Mm-hmm. And you may go into a corner too fast. You may not see something, a deer, whatever it might be. So you just don't want to be cold on a, on a motorcycle. Even as a passenger, you might get distracted and you know fall off. Yeah, highly unlikely, but you know you just do not want to be distracted. So I wanted to make sure my, my my wife was warm. So we pull over, figure it out, can't, it just will not. All right, fuck it. We're just going to go back home. <laughs> go back to the bike, turn it on, and the battery is Just dead. nothing. The battery We, we is literally dead. went across the street 
and turn the literally bike off. yeah which is weird because yes my poor bike uh, his name is is a temeraire and i abused the poor bike so much and he is just a trooper he is the best bike ever um he uh, uh when i went out this morning to start it up start it up just fine no problem at all. Well, was, you were even saying, what an amazing bike. I know. I was Jeez, amazed. Wow. I haven't turned that bike on in two months. Yeah. It's been sitting outside. And it's been sitting outside. It's had a cover on it, but it's been outside for two months. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad about this. But it started right up. Mm-hmm. No problem. And um, I checked some stuff, and it was fine. Turned it off. Mm-hmm. Came back in the house. Mm-hmm. We had breakfast. We did our usual pancake stuff on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. We get dressed to go out. We go back out to the bike. Turn the bike on. No problem. No problem. Start right up. Start it right up. It was amazing. So it dying in Madeira Park was possibly temporary going, yeah, screw you, pal. Yeah. You ignore me for two months. I'm going to hurt. I'm not going to break down in your driveway. No. I'm going to break down an, an hour, hour away. away. So I'm like, and I, as anyone who knows me knows I'm mechanically incompetent. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't. And, and th- you don't realize this. I'm sure people in general, and certainly men, realize this. You feel figuratively impotent when I'm in a situation that I can't do anything about and my wife is there with me. I felt bad. I felt bad for myself. I felt embarrassed, ashamed that I can't fix things for my wife because she's freezing cold, standing over here in the freezing cold. She's cold. The bike is broken. I literally, I, I do not have the skill set to fix this problem. Well, no, but who would on the side of the road? True, but at least I could have, I don't know, made There's... an attempt. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just felt really, really shitty about the whole thing. But we were on the right track as to what we were going to do. So the idea is just like a car, you can jumpstart a motorcycle. The, the, it's a little harder on a bike because you have to be sitting on the bike to jumpstart it. So it means Melissa got to push. So we're getting ready. We're moving the bike around. There's no real hill that I can go down, but there's a, a luckily Madeira Park, literally, like I said, it is a village. There's not very, very many cars or people there. So we thought, well, we'll just push it down this little side space. And um, so I'm I'm trying to maneuver the bike, and I hear Mal- we've got a, a headset on. We've got a, um, a motorcycle helmet-to-helmet communication. <clears throat> so I can hear Melissa flirting with some guy. And it's like, no, not now, okay? <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Pull your shit together and folk. No, there was. Um, well, so you tell what happened from from your point. Oh well, I had looked across at this this guy, young guy in his truck, um, and he was. We. She made goo goo eyes at him. Uh, he looked at, back at me, does. and he was basically saying, "Oh, which which way you guys you guys headed off?" Because he was wanting to back up his truck. And he put his thumb, two thumbs up, and I put my thumbs down yeah. and was making gestures that, no, we're kind of stuck here The international right now. symbol of we're screwed. Yes. And he happened to be a Harley rider. Yeah. He has a couple of Harleys. And he came over and just he just got right out of his truck, left the door open, actually, <laughs> and made his way over. And um, he ended up pushing Sean and... We started the bike, and he was a bigger guy, so it wasn't easy for him, but he pushed, and the bike started. He, um, uh, when he said, oh, I've got a Harley, this happens all the time, I wanted to say, yeah, I know. You know <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be mean to the guy who might, might push the bike. Um, but he diagnosed it similar to what I thought, which I thought was weird. The battery seemed like it's dead. And when I went to turn it on, I went, yeah, your battery's dead. 
just so weird that we had ridden for an hour. A, a generally when a, a battery is low or discharged, and you jump start it, and then you run the vehicle for half an hour, an yeah, hour, you're or charging whatever, your you battery. charge it up, but not in this case. Um, and it was also weird that we had stopped off at at the the coffee shop. Got back in the bike, started right back up again. Yeah. You even said, oh, this is such an amazing bike. No. And, then, <laughs> and then he went, yeah, guess what, pal? So thanks very much to John, the Harley Rider, for giving me a push. Thank you, John. Uh, We're push. so grateful to really, John. Really, really and he that. even said, I'm going to be on my way back towards Seashell. If you guys, if I see you guys on the side of the road, like I pull over immediately. No, he was no. very, very kind. That's one of the nice things about, um, I've noticed this on a regular basis when it comes to um, motorcycle people, I, I, it's, it's, it's that unwritten code that you will, if you're on your bike, even if not on the bike, if you're a motorcyclist and you see a motorcyclist on the side of the road and generally what, what happens is the motorcyclist, um, will put his helmet down on the ground behind his bike. That's sort of like a signal of I'm, I, I need some help. But even if, if not, I, I will slow down when I see a motorcyclist and sort of give them a little honk going and give them a thumbs up. And you generally go, yeah, they they just stop for a break or to make a phone call or have a cigarette, whatever it might be. And I've never, if you see a person in a car on the side of the road, you keep driving, right? You don't stop to, to, to help them. But motorcyclists will often, I'd say 99% of the time, if you can, um, stop. And I've, I've helped guys. I remember helping this this uh, old guy in, um, in Chilliwack. I'm, I'm riding down uh, this back road in Chilliwack, and this guy's pushing his motorcycle. Oh. And so I, I pulled off in, in front of him and walked back towards him. And the guy was in his 70s. And he's got this beautiful Ducati, mm. 989 Ducati, mm. that he, he didn't know what happened. Oh, no, he ran out of gas. That, that was the problem. Oh. And so I said, well, if you want to, you know, I can go to the next, the next gas station. It wasn't very close. I said, I'll go to the next gas station and, and get gas and bring it back to you. And as we we're talking about it, some other guy pulls up on the other side of the road in a car. What's wrong? Ran out of gas. I guess, oh, here. And he goes into the back of his truck and, and he's one of those little gas cans that country folk have in the back of their car. Gave him a gallon of gas and off we went. Tried to give the guy money. He said, yeah, it's a gallon of gas. Two bucks. There's no big deal. Mm. Um, and the Ducati guy rode off. But that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. I've had it happen. I remember when I ran out of gas one time, um, and inside of the road, with, because I'm an idiot. This is why it happens to me. I, my very first bike was a 2005 Yamaha Rollstar Tour Deluxe. Anyone who knows about motorcycles is now saying, "Sean, you're an idiot." Yes, I know. <laughs> that bike was way too big for my first bike. You know, you're supposed to get a little 300 cc, 500 cc bike. That's got you know no power and just learn how to ride. I bought a sixteen hundred cc motorcycle, weighed nine hundred pounds, literally, as my very first motorcycle. It was stupid of me. So I run the gas inside the road and I don't know what to do. I, I the guy pulls up in a car behind me and goes, uh, "What's going on?" I said, "I, I ran out of gas," and um, he, he walks up and he was a Harley guy. He said, "Well, have you have have you? Oh, he said, have you have you gone through your reserve? Right? Have you gone through your reserve gallon? I'm thinking, where would that be in, in the trunk? Where would I? Oh where God. would the reserve be? Would the reserve be in one of the saddlebags? What, what do you? 
And I'm looking at him, and I, obviously I'm giving him this blank look. And he looks at me and goes, you haven't switched your pet cock on, have you? Uh, <laughs> it's a pet cock. It sounds kind of rude. I don't it pet does. cocks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I don't really I just don't go and there, the guy okay. gives me this look of you pitiful idiot. I know. He walks over to my bike and he just turns this little switch mm-hmm. that was down by my left leg. Mm-hmm. By your pet cock. What was, <laughs> what was that? That's your pet cock. What did that do? So it gives you an extra gallon of gasoline. Really? Get on the bike, fire it up, hit the starter. Vroom! Bike comes to, comes alive. Like thank you. Over <laughs> Such a doofus. How does anybody run out of gas? You look down, you're getting close to empty, you go to a gas station. This bike didn't have a gas gauge. Why? Back in back in those days. But gas gauges on bikes are have historically only been on the, air quotes, higher end bikes. Oh. That um, other bikes, you're just supposed to know how many miles that you've gone. That is so ridiculous. You... You, um, I had a friend who had a Harley, didn't have a, a gas gauge on it. And then basically what we did was he rode her motorcycle until it ran out of gas. And then we go, okay, that's 200 kilometers. Oh, that is so stupid. And so now you know when you get to 150 kilometers, start looking for gas. Yeah, it, w- it was very dumb. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so again, thanks very much to, to, to John, the Harley rider for Thank pushing you, John. Us. Yeah, very appreciate it. And then it. we got home and the problem was coming home, we couldn't stop anywhere because my <laughs> thought was literally stop at Seashell, drop Melissa off at Starbucks so she can get warm. <laughs> I'll go home and get the car, come back and get you. Mm-hmm. But you didn't want to do that. No, no. I just hung in there. I was like, keep going. I'm still, I'm still defrosting. Yeah. I can still feel it. So after all that. Well, now after all that, we know the status of the bike. We, you know, like, you know, like you, it's all, you have to look at it as what did we learn? We met a kind person that helped us. You know, there's kind people in this world and it's just a lovely, I wonder how many people people who are listening to this, who shouldn't be, because it's called Don't Listen to Us. (laughs) Uh, Don't Listen to Us at at, uh, DLTU at YML.me. How many of you folks ride your own motorcycles? What kind of motorcycle do you ride? Do, do you want to ride? Are you interested in riding? Are you terrified of riding? I ask this because Melissa, before we go to Portugal, I'm making her, but she wants to do it. So don't, make, don't think I'm being mean. <laughs> making her get her learner's permit, which means doing a written test to get her motorcycle. Yes. Well, I've been around motorbikes all of my life because my uncle is an extremely well-achieved and... Um, He's a racer. Uh, he's a racer, my uncle. And um, I spent my girlhood growing up around motocross. We used to go to motocross every weekend. And then my brother got his little XR75, and I used to ride that. But then, you know, that that left my life. And then I've had, I've, you know, I've had um, partners that have had bikes. Yeah, so. So that being the case, why do you, why do you not suddenly, but why do you now want to be a rider of your own bike. You've been a passenger all these years, all this time. Why? What? What is it that has tweaked in your brain that said, you know what, I want to be in the front of the bike? Because I want to try it. Because first of all, not meaning to be arrogant, but I think I'll be a good motorbike rider. I'm a good driver. Um, I find that these days, especially, there's more and more women riding and 
You know, I'll be 55 soon, and I feel like it's going to be Not my... Not for 10 more years. <laughs> like it's going to be my... My uh, another step towards being empowered and not falling into any sort of apathy with with growing older. Women are the the last time I saw the stats. Women are the fastest growing segment of the motorcycling community. Women and minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, it is as I've always told everybody who's ever asked me about riding. I love helping people get into riding, but I've never lied to a single person. I will say. It is the single most dangerous thing I do. It's also the most fun I can have my clothes on. Oh, yes. You well, know, it's, I, it's a combination. Well, I mean, I, as soon as we got onto the bike today, the first thing I think of is, is my sons. I yes. think, oh, my God, you know, this is um, very dangerous. Yeah. I'm very cognizant of that. It's not that I'm not aware of it. But, I mean, I think that it's more dangerous that we all get into our cars every day. I mean, we do that without even thinking about it. The problem is you're 18 times more likely to get into an accident on a motorcycle than you are in a car. Mm-hmm. That's something people have to recognize. It's, you're, you're managing your risk. You're, you're increasing the risk and, uh, of something bad happening to you. And that's, there's no denying that. There's, like I said, I, I've, no, never, there isn't, I've but... never told anyone motorcycling is safe. It's not safe. <clears throat> the other reason is that... Um, uh, I was with a man that was was a Harley rider who was a very good rider because he was an ex-cop, so he was very, very good. But there were women in their group that used to be passengers. That And I befriended one of the wives um, that she was a pretty new rider, but she'd gotten herself a beautiful big Harley and she had all the gear and um, she wasn't a passenger anymore. She was on her own bike. And so those women in that big group kind of I admired them I thought it was pretty cool I actually think being a passenger is scarier than being the, the pilot because you've got no control over this thing you have to be pretty trusted yeah you yeah. absolutely I mean do. I trusted him absolutely with all of my being and the same with you I feel very comfortable on the back with you if I wasn't comfortable I'd go no 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 I don't want to be a passenger you go ahead uh, roadracingworld.com had a story last week. Harley Davidson funded. Now keep that in mind. It's Harley Davidson funded study proves motorcycling provides physical and mental benefits. Hmm. Motorcyclists have long championed riding as their main road to stress relief and positive mental health. Uh, there's a you'll see if you get involved in the motorcycling community at some point you'll see the T-shirt. You never see a motorcycle outside a psychiatrist's office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Today's results mm-hmm. of a neurobiological study conducted by a team of three researchers from UCLA. Yielded pioneering scientific evidence revealing the potential mental and physical benefits of riding. The study found that motorcycling increased metrics of focus and attention. Yes, because you have to. You be. have to, otherwise you're dead. Mm-hmm. And decreased um, relative levels of cortisol, horm- hormonal marker of stress. Of stress. That's right. Um, they increase your dopamine. They recorded participants' brain activities, hormone levels before, during, and after motorcycling, driving a car, and resting. And it, it decreased your stress, mm-hmm. increased focus and attention. Yeah, and I, I, I love, I mean, I, I'm a good driver. And when I drive um, now, since be, being a passenger um, quite frequently again, since, since um, you and I have been together, I ride my, drive my car now and imagine being on a motorbike. Yeah. 
and and it's also that sense of freedom and independence and empowerment. Sure, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. I've always told people that if you like driving, if you like the act of driving, if you're the kind of person who will get into a car and just drive someplace, mm-hmm. not going from A to B, but you just on the weekend I'm gonna go north and you just wander around exploring, stopping mm-hmm. in little small towns. Hey, I wonder what's down this road. If mm-hmm. you're that kind of person, mm-hmm. then you you'd love motorcycling. Because motorcycling is the purest form of driving, sorry, the act of driving. From the point of view of you are completely, if you're a good motorcyclist, you are completely involved in all aspects of the motorcycle. Most people, certainly in North America, drive automatics. And so functionally, their right leg, foot, and their left hand or right hand are the only thing that's driving the car. You know, and, and, and you can zone out very easily. Mm-hmm. If you have a manual, okay, you'll 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 switch hands. But in a, in a, on a motorcycle, your left hand and your right hand are doing different things. There's a clutch on your left hand. There's a brake on your right hand. Your left foot is changing the gears. Your right foot is braking. Your head is, if you're again a good motorcyclist, has to be on a swivel looking all around you. You see things on a bike that you wouldn't see in the bubble of a car. You smell things. You you're just more involved. Well, in feeling driving. things. You move in a car. When you go around a curve, you generally don't shift your body weight. On a bike, you can literally shift your body weight to, if you ever watch racing, you see the guys, they're hanging their butts off and their knees dragging the ground. They're not doing that to show off. They're doing that because they're getting physically involved in the act of riding, and they can ride better at higher speeds that way. You don't do that on a street bike. I but, see those guys as athletes. Oh, they're actually athletes. Yeah. You, if, you, if you ever watch a, a race... And at the end of the race, they interview the, the, the winners. They're just covered in sweat. They're, oh, and they must be so fit. They must they put them to. through stringent. Yeah. There's no such thing as a fat motorcycle rider. No. Racer. No, not a racer. But, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting that, that, that you want to do that. And I admit I have concerns about it because the, 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 my partner in life, the woman I love, is going to go do this dangerous thing. I have concerns when you're on the back that something could happen if, if – it doesn't matter how good, and this is something I tell people who are potential riders, it doesn't matter how good you are as a rider, some idiot can still take you out. There's a, a book I've got on my bookshelf. It's called Stay, Staying Safe by a guy I think uh, named Larry Grudowski. Great book. You should read it. You should. This is one of the books that you should pick up and, and read. Just a bunch of his columns from different magazines. And he taught me a lot about thinking about riding. I think to be a good rider, you've got to think about riding. You have to think about the physics of riding, and, that kind of, and that's part of it what, what fascinates me. But Larry Gordowski uh, was world famous, t- taught seminars, wrote columns, wrote books about safety. Died when a deer took him out in Texas. This is the safest guy in the world, and a deer takes him out in Texas. He was mm-hmm. wearing a high yellow vest and everything else. Like that. Deer didn't care. Mm-hmm. Deer came running out, splat, done. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. If, 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 I don't want to say if it's your time, it's your time. But it doesn't matter how good a ride. And that's one of the things that scares me most about motorcycles. For me personally, I know I'm a good rider. I know I ride 99.9% of the time within my limits. My bike is a better bike than I am a rider. My bike can do things that I never even, I can't do. It can lean more. It can do things. But what terrifies me is when I'm having fun going through the twisties. I'm going around a corner, and I'm doing the corner absolutely perfectly. And I'm, I'm just, just at the right speed. I'm going real fast having a good time, and some idiot crosses the double yellow line and smacks into me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm done. I'm, you're, you're done when that happens. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, the 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 whole thing scares me, and then to have you do it scares me even more. But I love that you want to do it. I'm encouraging well, you all the all, all the way. I'm sort of being irresponsible, being a mother and doing it. But eh, I don't know if that's true. I understand why you would say that. Um, I, I I posted that motorcycle study thing on Twitter, and I got a response. It's an unfortunate response from somebody. It says, "Does it include the physical, psychological, and financial benefits of the inevitable crash?" Asking for a friend, and a number of friends, actually, my former business partner's widow. I got into it with this guy, and I said, crashes are not inevitable. I know lots of riders who never crash. I know lots of riders who have crashed. Mm -hmm. But crashing is not inevitable on a motorcycle. They're called murder cycles and death mobiles, and we have all these names for them. And there's no doubt that they are more dangerous than a car. But you, there's no inevitability about crashing on a motorcycle. No matter what this guy, well, all my friends have crashed. Well, that doesn't mean that everyone crashes. No. I know lots of folks who haven't crashed. Uh, I Now, to be honest and, and, and up front, I've crashed twice. I've totaled two motorcycles in fairly minor crashes. The problem is most of the time you crash a bike, you tear it up so much that it can't be fixed. Um, one of my crashes was significant. It, it destroyed my right wrist. doesn't mean I'm not going to ride anymore. Mm -hmm. But it also doesn't mean I think it's inevitable that I will get into another accident. If you believe it's inevitable, then don't freaking do it. No. Because that would make you an idiot. But it's not inevitable. So, yes, it is dangerous. You have to recognize the danger. You have to accept the danger. And as Melissa and I have talked on many occasions, manage the risk. Now, if you want to ride a bike in, in the States, it's more likely to happen. Canada, we have helmet laws. But even here in Canada, you'll see kids in the summertime wearing a helmet and T-shirts and flip-flops. Oh, pair yes. Of shorts. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. that's fine. Well, and if, grown men, too. If that's what you want, then that's you managing risk in your way. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you, the, 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 the line has always, always been dress for the crash, not the ride. I will always wear full gear. I will Very always safe wear that way. I will always mm -hmm. wear my jacket, mm -hmm. my gloves, my boots. The only thing I don't wear that's armored is jeans. I've never found jeans comfortable enough to want to wear armor. And I recognize the fact that if I come off the bike, I'm going to lose skin. You will, yes. If you slide in a regular pair of Levi's, they're, they're just going to tear up on you. But otherwise, I've been in 100-degree heat in Nashville, but still got my helmet on and still got my jacket on, still got yeah. my gloves on. I'll yeah. wear a lighter weight helmet. Mm -hmm. I'll wear lighter weight gloves, but it's always going to be armor. That's one of the things I hate about you riding on the back with me because we don't have armor gear that fits you. No. You're wearing my, my jacket, but... It, those the sh the shoulder pads aren't at your shoulders. The elbow pads aren't at your elbow. Oh no, it's it. huge on me. So, <clears throat> but it's it's it, like I said, it's the most fun I can have with my clothes on. Yes, but I don't. I I don't want. I don't plan on going out and going as fast as I can. And I, I it, for me, it's the experience of doing it. I'm not. I don't think I'll take high risks. Doing it is risky, and then there's doing it in a thrill-seeking kind of a, you know come what may kind of attitude when i started riding i was terrified i'd never ridden before 2005 i live in nashville tennessee deciding to get my motorcycle license. this is crazy this is stupid i'm not going to do it but my friend jay had gotten his and i wanted to be cool like jay so i'd never ridden before i take the class and the class in nashville was fantastic it gave me a lot of confidence I wasn't overconfident, but I was like, yeah, I can do this. If, I, if I'm careful and I pay attention, I can do this. 
the first time you go out on city streets on a motorcycle, and so what I did was I would rent a bike over the weekend. And you 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 get on a bike and you drive through the city. Everyone around you's a crazy person. They're all driving too fast. They're all they're all crazy. You do you're going thirty miles an hour, fifty kilometers an hour, and you're terrified. This is too fast. I want to go slower. I don't want to. And you'll pull off to the side of the road and you'll wave people past you. Like, go past me. Go past me. I'll have a, I, I would have a car behind me, and I'd just make a right just to avoid them. You know? <laughs> I can see myself doing that. Just, and then I told you that this morning when I was practicing around Nashville, I would either go straight or make right-hand turns. I never made any left-hand turns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because left. He kept going around in circles. Left, then I had to I had to pass in front of traffic. Yes. And that that's... scared the shit of me. I'm not, I'm not doing it. So I'd make rights or go straight. Yeah. So getting home oftentimes was like, how many rights do I got to make to get back home? Yeah. <laughs> But you've got to come out of your comfort zone, exactly. and there's something to be said for that. And then after a while, you, you, you get a little bit of confidence in 30 miles an hour, 50 kilometers an hour. It's not bad. Okay, I, can, I can do this. And then you decide, you know what? I, I have to get across town. It's time to go on the interstate. Oh, my God. No, no. That's 60 miles an hour. It's 100 kilometers an hour. No, no. I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay, I'll do it, but I'll stay in the right-hand lane. Matter of fact, I'll stay in the right-hand part of the right-hand lane. And you do that. And the first time a semi goes by you, you mm. piss yourself. Because mm. the semi goes by at 100 miles an hour and just mm-hmm. the wind of a semi. You don't realize it in a car, but the wind of a semi, a small bike can, can knock you off the bike if you're not ready for it. And that was scary. I literally got on the highway on, on exit 22 and got off on 23. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not going any further. <laughs> oh, my God. See, now well, that was scary. Now I feel discouraged. Like I no, shouldn't what, be doing what it. I'm saying is, as the thing I love about motorcycling is as you build confidence, as you get more confidence in your bike, in your skills, and your knowledge of what you're doing, eventually it comes a point where you're going down the highway and you're thinking, why is everyone going so slow? You look down, you're doing 100 miles an hour. Yeah, you know? I feel that on your bike. I'll go, gosh, everybody's going so slow. How, how, how fast are we going? And I realize how slow it feels <laughs> just at 80. Exactly. It's like, well, gosh. It's, oh, oh, we are going 80? Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you go 150, yeah. it feels normal. Every rider goes through that, I think, where, where they go, this, this you know, 30 is too fast. I'm, ne- I'm never leaving the city. And then after a while, you're going, oh, why is everyone just doing 100? It's you know, like, come on. Come on, <laughs> on you wusses. Get it away. No, my plan is over here on the Sunshine Coast is perfect yes. for beginner riding. Then I've got to go through the anxiety of getting on the ferry, which, you know, and the whole thing about getting on and then parking your yeah. bike oh, with yeah. everybody else's and backing it up and yep. looking cool and not looking like, <laughs> I'm trying, like I'm trying to be cool about it. drop the bike. Oh, I've been doing this for a while, Kay. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, you, All you that. Will, I, I, I will freak. You will, I guarantee you will. And a part of that for me is being humble and going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just a, like, I'll have all the new gear on there. We're going to go, oh, he's a little newbie. <laughs> but I need to go, well, that's okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 55 years old and I'm doing this and it's okay. The thing you have, you have to, to what will, what we would do when we do that on the ferry is you'll go ahead of me. And and I'll stop everyone else. <laughs> and we'll, Learner. We'll, oh yeah, absolutely. And we'll wait for you to park your bike. Okay. As opposed to you coming behind me and the guy behind you getting impatient. Oh and yes. And doing something that freaks you out. Yeah. That's what I. 
I think that I will find everybody to be very kind yes. and very accepting in the biking community anyway. Well, it helps that you're a hot redhead. So, yeah, that's going to no, be. No. Yes, it does. Come on. I'm just a newbie with all my shiny new. gear. We have a bunch of announcements to make. Yes. So you go for it. First of all, I didn't even realize this was happening. Uh, I This is something people can do if they want to. It's more of a cutesy thing than anything else. But the folks at Anchor.fm have set it up so that we can uh, beg you for money. <laughs> <laughs> become, a sp- become a supporter of Don't Listen to Us. Support oh. this podcast with a small monthly donation mm-hmm. to help sustain future episodes. That's not true. We're going to do future episodes. Oh, of course we will. We, yes. we, we don't care. <laughs> no one's listening anyway. We, we don't care. <laughs> so you can actually, um, th- through, your, through your credit card, uh, contribute 99 cents per month. $5 a month or $10 a month. Okay. That's a couple of lattes or something. I think it'd be kind of cool if we mm-hmm. got that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to reinstitute what Jay Curtis and I did originally with the original Trash Talk, oh, low these many years ago, is that if you um, if you contribute $10, we will, uh, the, the, the episode will be sponsored by you. Oh, and we would... How do, so how would we do that? We, we would we would say their name. Say this is um, this is this John is, has. By the way, by the way, this episode. is uh, episode forty six. So that's what we would say. So we'll start from the beginning, and what we'll say is is uh, folks, welcome to this episode of DL, the, uh, DLTU. DLTU. It's episode number forty seven. This episode sponsored by John. Okay, I think that's kind of cool. I think it's cool. It is yes. Um, and then we'd mention mm-hmm. John's name to the show. If yes. John has a website, we've mentioned John's website. Absolutely, or whatever John did, or wherever he did it. I think that's it's very it's fun. It's fun. Um, that's that's just kind of I didn't realize that we're doing that. <laughs> and also, you might be hearing ads either the beginning, the end, or the middle of the podcast. I don't know how Anchor's doing those, but um, oh. Anchor sends out an email to people mm. that says this company would like you to. These people want to advertise on your show. Oh. Read this ad. So we would get, we okay, so we're going to know what yes, it is. Absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. All right. And they give us thousands of dollars. Who who no, does? They don't. They we, don't. We, we, don't, we, don't get, we get literal pennies. <laughs> don't, 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 think we're, don't think we're making much money at all. But uh, So I just wanted to warn people that that, that, that might happen. That that might happen. Uh, okay. There is an ad for um, yeah, Anchor. Is- and Pocket Cast. Pocket, actually, Pocket Cast is kind of cool. Pocket Cast is a, um, a app to help you manage your podcast, to find new podcasts. So oh. it has a search thing. Also, so you can subscribe to a podcast. And when you subscribe to a podcast, the podcast shows up automatically. So we normally do this at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. This is now 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. But... You wouldn't care if you subscribe to the podcast. It would just show up in your yeah, podcast. Yeah, and you can right? listen to it at your leisure. At your, at your leisure. Yes, so. yes. So just want to let you know about hmm. that stuff. And then uh, the other uh, big announcement is that as of, uh, I want to say Wednesday, I think Wednesday is the, the first official one, I've been asked and I've accepted a um, position at inside.apple. Ins- sorry, inside.com. Uh, inside is a load of newsletters, email newsletters. They have uh, 10, each newsletter has 10 stories each day on various topics. And they can be Facebook, they can be deals, they can be 
Uh, it's just ridiculous how many different subjects they have. Some of the newsletters are daily, some of them are weekly, and they all show up in your email box. Inside Wine, Inside New York City, Inside Beer. I'm just going hmm. to the list at inside.com. Inside Portland, uh, Inside Social, <sighs> Inside Automotive. So you know, a whole bunch of different subjects. So if you go to inside.com forward slash Apple, you can sign up for the newsletter. Don't do that until Wednesday, though. No, don't, everybody. Because what I want to do is show off for the folks at inside.com so that when it get, when I announce it on Twitter and then everyone sees it and they see thousands of people because signing of up Sean for the newsletter the for me. Now tell people exactly oh what you are. Oh, my God. Come on. The president of the company sent out an email this morning <laughs> to the to the team. We had a fast, fantastic 2018. Da, da, da. Newsletters grew, some of them doubling in size, blah, 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 blah. All this wonderful stuff. The usual rah-rah stuff from. It's great. The... He said, now, inside drones, inside VR and AR, inside Apple and inside Amazon, each needed a refresh. So, next week, we have Sean King, a legend in the world of Apple, taking the reins of inside. Whoa! I love it. Dude! Yes, but Sean has a lot of difficulty blowing his own horn, Jeez. I have to say. That's just that's just way too freaking much pressure. Oh, it's not. It you, really is. It's not. You just do it. You just be you because that's... That's, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> no, well, you know what I mean. Be you with a little bit of uh, thought behind it. Uh, my friend Jim Downpool of The Loop at loopinsight.com, and I talked about this, said, I, and I told him, I said, I'm, I'm worried about this. He said, what you do? I said, how do you handle it? Because Jim can be as abrasive as I am. He just isn't as publicly abrasive as I am. Because he's a little bit smarter if he's not. <laughs> I have to say that. You have to keep it in check. There. <laughs> Sorry. Jim's a little bit smarter than you. <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. In that regard, I don't know Jim, but. What Jim said was, what I do is you write the thing that makes you angry and then you dial it back 50%. Just just read it again and dial it back. And that's what I've got to learn. I've got to learn the dialing it back part. You do. I've got to learn the tact. Because now, to a certain degree, as much as I want to fight against it, in a certain way, I'm representing Inside.com. Yes. I'm now not an employee, but a contractor for Inside.com. I like the idea of this gig. I want to keep this gig. I also want to expand this gig. I don't want it to be just a newsletter. Mm -hmm. I want it to be opinion and commentary and audience participation and a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, for you folks who follow me on Twitter, you might see a kinder, gentler Sean. Yes, but very often, though, I know that there, and I get it, there can be anger and... um... You know, you want there to be more authenticity, how how things are presented in this world and on, on, on the social media piece of it. But being angry just often and being abrasive just often puts people off that they're not getting your message. They'll just go, ah. Possibly, yeah. Whereas if you dial it back and, you're, and you can do that very intelligently, yeah. I know you can, that people may respond with less abrasion back towards you. Yeah. That's being said, let's talk about this idiot. Here he goes. This gentleman, this person that... Okay, go no, on. We have one more... Um, oh, announcement. announcement. Yes. Uh, for those folks who have been following, you know, we've talked on occasion about our starting point photography workshop for beginning photographers in Lisbon, 
Portugal. In less than two months, Melissa and I will be in beautiful Lisbon, Portugal, teaching uh, beginning photographers how to take better pictures in general and more specifically composition and street photography and black and white and landscape and a bunch of stuff. It's going to be fantastic. Lisbon is a spectacularly beautiful city with wonderful, amazing history, incredible food, um, the sights of Lisbon, the sounds of Lisbon, this wonderful music they have called Fado. We're going to have a good time. But not everybody wants to go or can go to Lisbon. So we're also, this September, doing Starting Point Photography in Vancouver. Right here, not right here, but close to where we live. We live in a little town called Gibson's. So uh, we're inviting you to come to Vancouver. Vancouver is, bar none, the single most spectacularly beautiful city in North America. Naturally, natural beauty. Natural beauty is just amazing in Vancouver. So you're going to get some great photographs. We're going to have a lot of fun going to the Capilano Suspension Bridge. You'll you'll actually be able to see me cry. (laughs) Yes, you will. I will be a whimpering fool on the middle of that bridge. He rides his motorcycle at nearly 200 (laughs) kilometers an hour, but going on a suspension bridge, he'll be a piddling little, like, quaking in his little hiking boots. I will be wearing the pens that day. I swear to God, because I will will pull He'll crawl across the suspension bridge. If they let me, I would. I swear to God, I would if they let me. Because the thing, terror. I was there once when I was in college, and I promised I'd never go again, but I'm going to be going again. We're going to take a bike ride around Stanley Park, a beautiful urban park here in the city. We're going to do a, a tour of historic Gastown, and you're going to learn to take better pictures with the camera you already have. We're also going to we're also going to have a day trip over here to Gibson's, where uh, Melissa and I will wine and dine you in the finest brew pubs in the Sunshine Coast. It's beautiful over here. It is. Yeah. So that's that's. If you want more information about that, uh, send me an email to dltu at yml.me or go to startingpointphotography.com and look for the tab that says Starting Point Photography in Vancouver, Canada. Yes. Exciting. I posted this this morning on Twitter. At what point do we take these people's children away from them? This is from something they blocked out her name. Uh, she's on a Facebook uh, group called Natural Health Anti-Vax Community, looking mm. for right oh, recommendations. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is what this woman has posted <sighs> to Facebook. My three-year-old is not vaccinated, and there is currently a measles outbreak in my state. Any suggestions for precautions I can take to protect her would be very much appreciated. Oh, get your child vaccinated Jesus would be the Christ. best precaution. So why are the, why what, can't we call child protective services on this moron? What what are these people, individuals, groups using as their excuse now not to get their child vaccinated? Causes autism, but it doesn't cause mm, autism. You know that. I know that. Ninety five percent of the planet knows that, but these freaking morons don't know it. Mm. And by not knowing it, they're putting other children in danger. Mm-hmm. She said measles outbreak in my state. She must be talking about. Portland, Oregon. There's a measles outbreak in Portland, Oregon. Yes. Right okay. Now. Yep. So yep. that's what this idiot is saying. Yeah. Rather so, than this, the the obvious solution, get your child vaccinated. Mm-hmm. She's looking for recommendations. Mm, I don't. Well, what would people recommend? Put move. The kid, put the kid. Move. Put the kid in a bubble. Don't yeah, let him see them other in a children. Bubble. It's just mind-boggling how people can believe. We've talked about this before. This discredited. It comes from one study survey. It was done by a discredited doctor 15 years ago. And because all these idiot celebrities have jumped on board this thing, Jenny McCarthy was the, the primary one 
10 years ago. And these idiot parents, and most of them are affluent white people yes, who, you, many of who them we are. assume should freaking know better, yes, are putting other people in danger. Yeah. Speaking of morons. Did anybody respond oh. to her? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not curious even. As to I'm sure what, they did. What's being suggested? It's in in the anti-vax community, so people are going to suggest whatever anti-vaxxers. Yeah, I don't know what they would say. They're all going to be idiots. Okay. This guy on Twitter named Kibble Smith. Kibble. Kibble. <laughs> people talking during the movies is part of the communal experience, and policing strangers about it is weird. Oh no, I don't want to hear people talking in the movie. Who is this moron that thinks talking during a movie is you okay? You mean like at a theater? Yes. A, oh, no, yes. no, 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 no. You go, shh, quiet. That You have to tell people to be quiet. I'm not paying all that money to sit there and listen to other people's commentary on the movie. He says, in the 10 zillion year history of live performing, it was incumbent on the performer to hold the focus of the audience or it was hell to pay. If you don't want people talking during your the movie, I don't know what to tell you. I know what to tell you. Yeah, and besides, when you're in a live performance... If a performer can hear you talking, or they can use you, or they can ridicule you and put you, belittle you, and t- get you to shut up. If you talk during a movie when you're near me, you will have me say politely, "Excuse me, would you please mind not talking during the movie?" I vouch for that, folks. He's done it. If you say it again. I will say, excuse me, a little louder, Mm -hmm. I've asked you once to please not talk during the movie. Mm -hmm. You don't want me to ask you a third time. And what will you do then? (laughs) I agree that a movie is a communal experience. I love the communal experience of going to a movie. I like the idea that all these people, this 100, 200, 300, 400 people, are all experiencing this thing the same time we we don't have that very much nowadays and certainly we have it we have fewer occasions of that because as we as you get older you just don't go to movies nearly as much i love that group anticipation that group laughter that group (gasps) yes everybody's reacting to the same thing a lot yeah but if you're sitting next to me or anywhere within my audio range i don't want to hear you i'm here to pay listen to the movie not you And I have no problem if, if my wife, girlfriend, friend. That's not a problem. I'm talking to people going, well, yeah, I think uh, Joan, uh, Joan, Joan and her husband are breaking up. Did you, did, did you know that? Yeah, they, uh, oh, this part's good. Wait, wait, watch, watch. Shut up! Yeah. How anyone could think that's okay is beyond me. How you could post it to Twitter saying, no, this, this, this idea of talking during a movie is okay. And God forbid, if I see the, 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 the light of your iPhone light up, <laughs> yeah. I'm taking that from oh, you. Oh, it happens all the time I'm taking, the, I'm taking your iPhone. I'm absolutely taking I will reach over, take the iPhone, you'll get this back at the end of the movie. And that will upset you, but I don't care. Mm. Hmm. No, I don't like all that. You see all the lit up phones when you go to yep. the theaters. It's mostly all the teenagers. I'll tolerate it during the stupid commercials they yeah, have Yeah, but the not beginning. during the actual movie. It's at the when the trailer starts when I start warning people. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't want to get distracted during the movie, telling you to be quiet. But during the trailers, I mean, people go, "Well, just the trailer." It's still part of the movie. I like the trailer. I love trailers. I don't like it if they repeat them. Sometimes they'll repeat them. Yeah. Uh, the little local theater here. 
I have had many dealings over in, in my life with the police. Mm-hmm. Some of them not as positive as you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! Speaking of dealing with the police, uh, you want to tell your little story, little Miss Muffin? No, I just got. I didn't got out of another speeding ticket. Got out of another speeding ticket. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. Melissa, you were caught speeding. Mm-hmm. You. Okay, so oh to, god, to okay, wait, 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 wait. Let me tell the story because you're a terrible story storyteller. I am not. You are. You were in a passing lane. You were legally passing the vehicle. It was a school bus. It was. You zoom past the school bus. Yes. Woo, 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 woo. Oh, I saw him. I was passing, and I looked over. And my son was next to me, and I went, "Uh oh." And I continued to pass the school bus because I had to. I was committed at that point. And I just was looking in my rearview mirror and already looking for a place to pull over. And there he was with his lights flashing, racing towards me. And there you go. There so you have it. The cop said to you, why were you passing the school bus? Right? Not the first thing he said. Okay. What was the first thing he said? Oh, well, he sort of sidled up to the car and he looked in at me and I had my license ready. And um, he said, you know why I pulled you over? And I said, yes, I do. He's, and then he said, well, how fast were you going? And I said, it's going 105. Um, and why did you want to pass the school bus? And I said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> okay. And he asked you if you knew what the speed limit was. He said, did you know, you know what the speed limit is there with his crooked, flirty grin? And I said, uh, it's 80. So the cop knew you were speeding. He's, yes. You knew you were speeding. Oh, yes. Your son knew you were speeding. I think so. The cop got you to admit that you were speeding. Absolutely. The cop got you to admit that you knew what the speed limit was. And then he told me that I was reckless, considered to be reckless driving, being over 20 kilometers over an hour. And reckless driving is a significant fine. Yes. He said to me, this is considered reckless driving, Melissa. Yes. Okay. And so he took your license registration, went back to his car. He did. Okay. How Mm -hmm. long did that take? No, oh, probably about three, three, four minutes, okay. full minutes. And during that time, you and Rory, your, uh, our son, you're sitting there, and what's the conversation like with Rory? Well, I was saying, well, you know, I mean, I was speeding, and you know, I, you know, it's my fault. I get it. I know that the police are now really coming down on speed on this highway, and da da da. And I was just sort of saying to Rory, I was just thinking this morning how, how good I was feeling about our finances, and now I'm going to get dinged with a ticket. Okay. So the cop comes up out of his car, walks back up to the driver's side of your vehicle, and what happens then? And he looks at me and he says, Melissa, do you like to donate money to ICBC? It's our insurance corporation. Insurance corporation. And I said, no, I don't, officer. And um, he said, well... Oh, what did he say? He said a few other little, little kind of flirty, funny things. I forget what they were. And then he said, well, he said, you have an impeccable driving record. He said, so, you know, slow down and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go today. Unfreaking believable <laughs> You got out of the ticket without even having to work at getting out of the ticket. No, I was ready to pay. You didn't say anything like, oh, officer, I'm so sorry, please. What can I do to get out of the ticket? Oh, no. No, no, I wouldn't have. I would never do that. Were you wearing your push-up bra? <laughs> yes. Aha! You had your arms crossed while he was looking in the car, didn't you? No. 
You were sitting there with your arms crossed, like like. like I would never were... do such a thing. I would never present myself deliberately in a sexual way to try and get out of something like that. You are redhead with green eyes. It's that's sexual is already it's, written into the contract. I, well, I, anyway, I he let me go. Unfreaking believable. <laughs> I've never had. I've never gotten out of a ticket. That's never my third once. one. I've got. I haven't had to. Your pay. third one. Mm-hmm. You have an impeccable record. Because I let keep letting you off. <laughs> That's what Sean keeps saying. Now you have an impeccable record because you keep getting out of getting tickets. <laughs> That's why it's impeccable. <laughs> well, I don't speed. I'm generally. I was passing. The little buggery was stuck inside of a little drive pull out area on a passing lane. Come on. Why were you passing the school bus, Melissa? I don't know, just because. I don't know why. <laughs> I got pulled over one time for a speeding ticket. Upstate New York. I was riding with uh, 15 other <laughs> FJR riders. We all have the, the FJR 1300s style of bike <laughs> from Yamaha. And it's a, it's, a, it's a fun, sporty touring bike. It's a, a, an amazing, great bike. It can go very, 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 very fast. <laughs> and we're riding around the, the, the lakes, the twisty lake roads in upstate New York. And the guys in front of me are significantly more aggressive than I am. They know this road. They live in this area. And so they're going much faster than I am. They're passing on double yellow lines around curves. And the one of the rules, if you're a smart rider, is ride your own ride. Don't ride to keep up with, with these guys because you'll get yourself in, in, into trouble. So I'm thinking, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not comfortable riding with these guys in this way. So I know we've got a meetup location a half hour away. I'll just hang back. So after a while, uh, so they've, boom, they've gone. After a while, I get ahead of the traffic that they've been passing, and I'm, I'm, I'm riding my ride. And the speed limit around this lake was, uh, let's just say it's 50 miles an hour. I'm doing 70, 75. Now, on that bike, it's easy to do. Oh, it's it's simple, so easy. simple to do. So I come around, I'm leaning over in in, 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 a, in a corner, I'm doing 75, 80 miles an hour, I'm having a blast, this is so much fun, I'm looking through the corner, and as I'm looking through the corner, I can see the cop sitting on the side of the road. And I haven't even passed him yet, he's already lit me up. You know, he's oh. the, the, the lights and sirens are already on, he hasn't moved. Well, so his, I, his juices are going because of all the other bike riders that have gone by, and he's thinking, hmm. So... I let off the gas, and I literally pull over next to him. He hasn't moved, and I pull over next to this cop, okay? So I take my helmet off, get my license registration. Cop comes over, and he goes, you know how fast you're going, all that kind of stuff. And so he's looking at this stuff, and at one point I said to him, "Um, Will, did you not, did, did like 10 other bikes like mine just, come through here like 15 minutes ago he said yeah i said oh okay that's those are my friends you know we're we're, we're meeting so and so i said um were, were they not speeding he's oh yeah they were going like bats out of hell <laughs> i'm looking at this cop like quizzically and the cop says well i couldn't catch them i could catch you <laughs> oh see are that's you just me? mean hearted are you kidding me no so i get to the meetup location like 45 minutes later and I tell these, I show the ticket to these guys. All you bastards owe me ten dollars. Yeah, they should have put in. I took a hit for you. Oh, did they help you pay? Yes, they, they oh, did, okay, they. that's great. But I literally have never talked my way out of a ticket in my entire life, mostly because I don't care to. Every speeding ticket I've ever gotten, I deserved. I was in fact speeding. I'm not going to fight a speeding ticket. 
It's not like I was surprised well, or else. I knew I was speeding. I had no intention of. I, yeah. I was like resigned. I said to Rory, oh, and I pulled over and I thought, oh, geez, I wonder how much this is going to be. That's right. What's what's the dent going to be in my bank account yeah. for this one? So I, I didn't want to get out of it. I got one speeding ticket, and the the cop said I was going reckless. It was done on the on the Trans Canada out mm-hmm. in uh, Abbotsford, Chilliwack area, and. You know, you know, you, you know, you were you were riding at a reckless speed. I'm thinking, to my, I, thank God I didn't say it. I'm thinking, to myself, dude, I was in third gear. I had two more to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to see reckless? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't anywhere near reckless. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel reckless at 105. Yeah, reckless is is for the law, not, but for us, it's relative. Reckless is weaving in and out of traffic. Well, he said if it's over 20 kilometers an hour more than the speed yes. limit, you're driving recklessly. That's considered reckless. Yes. But I wasn't going to maintain that speed. I was just passing. I would never have maintained that speed on the regular highway after the school bus. The other ticket I got, I remember, that was very funny, was uh, I was coming in from Chilliwack to teach a class, a starting point photography class, downtown Vancouver, and I'd left in plenty of time. And I was curious. You don't buy a motorcycle for gas mileage. Motorcycles get decent gas mileage. They should get better, considering how small they are. But a motorcycle, my bike, for example, gets about 44 miles to the gallon for the, for our American friends. And I was curious one time to think, I wonder how good the gas, if I drive at the speed limit and don't goose the throttle or any of that kind of stuff. So just like I've got an hour, hour and a half drive. Let's drive the speed limit and for an hour and a half. So I drove all the way in. I got passed by everybody. I'm doing 100 kilometers an hour, 60 miles an hour the entire time. And I've got my cruise control set. And I'm getting passed by semis and Toyotas and Buicks and Turtles and everybody is just blowing past me. I'm thinking, no, I'm going to stick to this. The bike has got an automatic gas mileage thing, so I can see my gas mileage increasing over time. Okay, this is boring, but I'm going to stick with it. I get all the way into the city of Vancouver, and for those folks who are familiar with it, there's a it's called the Boundary Road Hill. It's a very steep hill um, going up Boundary Road that I have to take. And because everyone's already passed me. There's no traffic on this road. It's probably about a mile up the hill. And I can see all the way up the hill. And there's no traffic. So I want to get up the hill. So, okay. So I, I, I gun it up the hill. I'm not going 100 miles an hour. The hill is 30 kilometers an hour, 50, 50, 30 miles an hour, 50 kilometers. I was doing 70, maybe, which is nothing. 70 kilometers an hour. Nothing. It's a two-lane road. And I'm in the... the the right-hand lane, and I, as I get up to the top of the hill, this crazy homeless guy jumps out in the middle of the street and is waving at me. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And why is the crazy homeless guy wearing a safety vest? And that says police. Oh, shit. Oh, crap. <laughs> so I pull over, and I'm laughing my ass off, thinking this is just the way my life works. I've been driving the last hour and a half at the freaking speed limit yeah the one moment i gotta agree with you the here. one moment i decide to speed mm. a cop jumps out of the bushes mm. Mm. <laughs> so i'm laughing because this, this is hilarious right so i take my helmet off and this is a reminder for those folks i'm six foot three and 260 pounds this cop's five eight 150 <laughs> 160 right so he walks up to me i take my helmet off and i'm laughing i'm like ah he's looking at me like Okay, we got a crazy guy here. And I, he's got the hand on his taser because he's going to have to tase me. He said, uh, is there something funny, sir? And I told him the story. He went, wow, your luck sucks today. Oh, uh, so? 
And I'm like, yeah, it does. He said, okay, I'll give you a break. And I'm thinking to myself, finally, <gasps> Yay, finally, after no all these years, no ticket. He said, I'm going to give the ticket to the owner of the vehicle and not to you, so it'll be cheaper. Thanks. <laughs> oh, how so? How does that work? Well, apparently the law says that if the ticket goes to the owner, it's less of a fine. I huh? don't know why. Yeah, I don't understand it either. But that's a little, little hint. If you get a ticket, ask the cop, could you please write that the ticket goes to the owner and not the driver of the vehicle? Okay. I was like, okay. You, Weird. You, you just saved me 100 bucks, so I'm, I'm okay with that. All right. But yeah, that's the kind of luck I have, isn't it? No. I, <laughs> I was going not anymore. You don't. You just don't. Anyway, have you warmed up? Yes. Okay. We're going to let this one go. We've, we've been doing this long. <gasps> supper time, anyway. It's late in the day. It's what time is it? It's uh, quarter to five. We didn't have any other announcements. I think that's. No. Nope. We don't have any emails. Uh, I think we do. Hang on. Let me just. Oh, we do have an email. Actually, yes, we, yes, we, we, we do, should. Uh, from our Australian correspondent. Oh, good. Hey, Sean and Melissa, first answer Melissa's question from last week. I am doing much better and taking things one day at a time. Oh, good, good, because I've been thinking about you, Scott. After listening to last week's show, I have to give Sean a high five for his enlightened attitude to sex and adult shops. In the late 90s, I worked in many adult stores, from the CD's hole in the wall to some rather smart and upscale stores. I had to deal with the usual drunk yobs and giggling girls, but on the whole, most people were polite and appreciated being able to look, browse, and buy things to enhance their sex lives. I had one lovely couple, probably in their 80s, who would come in every Thursday afternoon for a naughty book and some other bits and pieces. I love it. Good for them. Yay. He says, uh, Australia is still doing their impression of an oven set to high roast. Um, So we thought I'd send you this article that shows the true Australian spirit. Um, trucker comes to the rescue of stranded British traveler on scorching outback day. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. Basically, she blew a tire because uh, of the uh, heat. Of heat. Mm. Someone came and, and uh, helped her. Helped her nice. out. I remember in Australia, you used to instead of hitchhiking, you could just dial a trucker. What? Yeah. Well, because when I was a young woman, I'd hitchhike up and down the. We used to hitchhike up, but you could also do a thing where you dialed a trucker. I was like, well, which direction are you going? I'm going, yeah, well, can I catch a ride? Yeah, yeah. Like, you could just get on with That's the truckers. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, just to just connect with the truckers because the truckers are alone. They want some yeah, company. Exactly. And you're a traveler and you're going, well, I need to get to Cairns. Well, I'm, take, I'm going as far as whatever, Brisbane. I can take you there. Okay, great. I had a friend of mine in Nashville who was like the ballsiest guy in the world, uh, Mark. And Mark would hitchhike on private jets. He'd go out to the private airfield in Nashville. Oh, and see if he can get a ride. See if he can get a ride someplace. And it was like, he didn't care where they were going. He just wanted to go there. And he'd get a ride back the oh. same way. Because all private jets fly into private airfields. Oh, I've never heard of like that. If you, fly, if you have a private jet and you go to New York, you don't go to LaGuardia. Or no, you go to a special airfield. You go to, to Teterboro. Uh-huh. And that's what he would do. He would go to Teterboro and he'd take, the, take a bus or whatever it is in New York City, do whatever he did in New York City, come back to Teterboro and go... Is there anyone flying to Nashville? Oh. No, Atlanta. Was he an appealing guy? Was he? He good... wasn't. Yeah, he was a very pleasant uh, accountant type guy. All right, so people not would meant, not meant as an insult, but very no, easy. no. I just was wondering if you know he was like, oh, he was no. just this pleasant everyman. He, that he, would... he, he said he always dressed well. He always dressed. Oh, in a, good. In in, in, a, in a nice sport jacket, and that he was never slovenly. Okay. Um, he had a, he had a, a smart little <laughs> briefcase, a messenger bag that we, we would go with. Quite often, people would would get to know him on the flight to New York or Atlanta, whatever it is. Yeah, and they'd say, "Well, you know, we're coming back on Tuesday. If you're here, you can get a ride back to Nashville." Well, I've never what heard an of amazing anything thing to do hitchhiking on private jets. Cool. 
Okay. I wonder. I wonder if Mark is still doing that. Mark, if you're out there listening, buddy. Yes, please. That's very interesting. Be very curious. Thank you, Scott, for touching base. Uh, Folks, that's it for oh our announcements. Uh, Inside Apple newsletter will be announced officially on Wednesday. Uh, Please sign up if you follow me on Twitter. You'll find it on Twitter and Facebook. I will be telling everybody everywhere. Absolutely. About this. Um, Starting point photography in Vancouver. Vancouver is a beautiful city. You're going to love coming here, hanging out with Melissa and I, learning how to take uh, photos of this beautiful, beautiful place. And the third announcement is you can you can sponsor your Mac Life. Sorry, no, your Mac Life. no, wrong. You can sponsor. Wrong don't listen to us. Yes, ten bucks a month, mm-hmm. and and you you'll be the sponsor of, of of a show. Yes, I think it's kind of funny. I do. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> we also uh, ninety nine cents a month or five bucks a month. Uh, the folks at Anchor are setting this up, and we just, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we don't. Did we advertise anything today? I have or? no idea. We, we, oh, we, we won't know. That's what I love about these Anchor advertisements. We don't know anything about them. We, we, oh, I'm, I thought I'm they not... passed it by us, what was going to be advertised. Yeah, for. they asked me to read a script, and I read and recorded the script, oh. but now I don't got to do it again. Oh, okay, so they're just. It's not an ad we have to read during the show, which okay. I really like. I like the idea of them being a whole separate mm. thing. Mm. Um, and that way we don't know who's advertising on our show at this particular moment in time. Okay. I, I, I prefer that. So. All right. Folks, this has been Don't Listen to Us. Uh, I've been Sean King. I'm Melissa King. And thank you guys very much for listening. As always, email us at dltu at ymail.me. Till next week, see ya. Bye.